The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and at amazon.com. Why don't you stop drinking? Anybody can be a drunk. <sighs> Anybody can be a non-drunk. It takes a special talent to be a drunk. It takes endurance. Endurance is more important than truth. Do you ever feel guilty about your drinking in your private moments alone, even if you tell everyone, oh, I can hold my alcohol? Do you feel guilty? Or are you friends with someone who's an alcoholic and they won't even address it? And maybe they're feeling hopeless and you're feeling hopeless? Joining us today is a nationally known, award-winning health and medical journalist and a best-selling author, Anne Fletcher, and her book, Sober for Good, and let me give you the subtitle, New Solutions for Drinking Problems, Advice from Those Who Have Succeeded. Uh, her book may give even the most depressed, alcohol troubled person some hope and some real-life skills to help them kick the habit. Welcome, Anne. I'm delighted to have you on the show. It's great to be with you. Tell me your approach to studying alcoholics, alcohol troubled people. Well, I, I go out and find success stories. Um, I had used a model like that to study people who had successfully lost weight and kept it off um, and found hundreds of them and looked for the common threads. And I did that in my Thin for Life book series. And I used that same model to go out and find and talk to and survey hundreds of people who had overcome drinking problems, but they've done it in many different ways. Um, I found more than 200 people, 222 to be exact. What ages had, were they? Pardon me? What ages were they? They were all were they? different ages. They were people ranging from their early 20s up into their 60s, 70s, and I think I even had a few in their 80s. But they had to have had at least five years of sobriety to be in the book. The average length of sobriety for all 222 people was 13 years. So there That's were people amazing. with a lot of long-term sobriety. And and how, you know, I mentioned to my husband that I had heard you speak recently, and you mentioned that some people would drink up to a fifth a day, and he says, you're crazy. They'd be dead if they drank a fifth a day. Oh, there are lots of people who drink up to a fifth a day, which would be equal to 17 drinks. I had more than 90 people in Sober for Good who drank that much. Um, but, you know, one of the things, we have this a stereotype in our mind often of what an alcoholic is. It is that hardcore um, down-and-out, drunk-in-the-gutter kind of picture, the person who is drinking that much. Uh, actually, I had people, though, who were very high-functioning who carried on their jobs just fine the whole time they were drinking that because their tolerance was very high and they were able to function. But the point I wanted to make is that there is a large spectrum of drinking problems. Um, not everybody with a drinking problem is a stereotypical alcoholic falling down because of their drinking. Um, and I have people in the book who never drank more than three to five drinks a day, all the way up to one gentleman who drank two quarts of hard liquor a day. I wanted to, rec I wanted to represent this big spectrum of, of drinking problems that are out there. And that's shocking. When you think of someone drinking two quarts a day and then becoming sober for at least five years, you say the average that's age right. was, was 13 years. Right. Tell me, what type of skills would a person like that use? Hey, I got to interrupt this because we've got to pay some bills. 30 seconds, that's it. A very quick ad and then Alan will be back. Romance. Oh, I wish guys knew more about what we want from a relationship. Boy, I wish I knew more about what I want. Where's that ad I saw? 
Ah, here it is, The Selfish Path to Romance, a serious romance guidebook. Download Chapter 1 for free at SelfishRomance.com and buy it at Amazon.com. Hmm, The Selfish Path to Romance. That is interesting. Tell me, what type of skills would a person like that use? Well, you know, they're, they're met. I mean, there's not just one answer or one skill. You know, there, there are lots of different ways that people went about this. And um, one of the things that I did was I, ha- I wanted to find some common threads, whether or not people had quit drinking on their own or whether they had gone to Alcoholics Anonymous or gone to some alternative recovery group. And I should say that uh, more than 90 people in the book did recover with the help of a 12-step program, AA. But the other, there were 125 people who did it in different ways. Um, As I said, they quit drinking on their own, some of them, after having had a drinking problem. Some of those people went to groups that you've never heard of, such as, uh, or that many people have never heard of. I know you've heard of them. Um, But um, I wanted to increase awareness of programs like Smart Recovery, Women for Sobriety, Rational Recovery, SOS, which stands for Secular Organizations for Sobriety. So I have people who used many different approaches for overcoming their drinking problems. And that was one of the things that struck me when I went to your workshop and read your book. And your book's also on audio tape. It's Sober for Good, and I'm talking with Dr. Ann Fletcher. Um, What struck me was that people, people... recovered through many different methods, many of them on their own, many of them with the help of a friend, many of them through these different groups, but it wasn't just AA. That's right. And, you know, we're, off, we're, you know, we're led to believe that there's just one way to overcome a drinking problem in our society, and that is with the help of, of, of AA. Um, and AA is a wonderful program. There's no arguing with the fact that it has helped countless people, but it doesn't work for everybody. And I heard from many people who said that they were not able to overcome their drinking problem until they found an alternative to AA because they just didn't connect with the AA philosophy. Now, you're a success story yourself. Well, I guess you could call me that, yes. I'm, and, and, you know, I have to tell you that when I, I, I am a person who has overcome a drinking problem, when I, the book was about to come out, I really didn't want to tell my story for all the reasons that people, other people don't want to admit that they had a drinking problem because of the stereotypes, the stigma that's attached to that. Um, but I'm really glad I did come out and tell my story in the introduction to the book. And one of the reasons I did that was because I'm a person who was at the less severe end of the problem drinking spectrum. I'm somebody who recognized I had a drinking problem before hitting bottom, before I lost everything in my life. And that's one of the most important messages of Sober for Good, is that you can do something about a drinking problem before it gets really bad. Yeah, and then what struck me about you is that, you know, most people think, well, you know, Anne has a drinking problem, her parents were probably alcoholics, and I think of raising my own two children, and my husband and I were non-alcoholics, we didn't drink, we didn't, you know, we weren't even, we were teetotalers, and... I, when I heard your story, I said, oh, my God, you know, that could happen to my kids. Right, because I came from a teetotaling family. I right, think you're right. Tell your yes. story. I think it's colorful. Yeah, well, you know, basically just that, you know, I grew up in a family that, for moralistic reasons, really discouraged alcohol drinking. And that made it all the more tempting and interesting to me as a, as a somewhat rebellious teenager. 
And, um, you know, and I wasn't one of those people who loved alcohol the first time I, I drank. It, like, you know, many people, I had to kind of learn to cultivate a taste for it. I guess that kind of is sad, you know, that should tell us something. If we have to work hard to like something, that's not really good for us. But over the years, my drinking gradually increased, and I became a daily drinker. Um, but I started to see the connections between problems I was having in my life and drinking. Um, it made me depressed. It made me forgetful. I'm never, I never had a DWI. I never beat my children. I never lost my job. In fact, I climbed in my career the whole time I was drinking. But I recognized that I didn't like what alcohol was doing to me. And after many years of trying to cut back, just finally realized that I was a happier person if I quit drinking for good. But, you know, so many self-help books that are out there are based on the experiences of one person. And this book isn't about me. I just wanted to tell my story in the introduction so that the reader would know that I had been there. But really, this is a compilation of stories and experiences of many different ways of overcoming drinking problems. And that's what I really wanted to represent. And so many people have told me that since reading the book, oh, I identified with that person, that man or that woman, um, and this is what worked for me. So I hope that people can kind of see an answer through the experiences of many people who have been there. Right, with very different solutions, a yeah. whole variety of solutions. And in the last few seconds, what was the most surprising finding that you had came up with in the book? Well, there were lots of surprises, but I guess one of the biggest surprises um, that I wasn't expecting to find, and I should interject here, that I happen to be a registered dietitian. So my background is in fitness and nutrition and wellness. Um, the big surprise was how important, what, how important a role exercise plays in the recovery of many of these people. I thought it might be important, but I didn't guess that it would be their number two way of seeking pleasure now that they've given up alcohol. Um, so exercise, um, whether you walk, run, jog, whatever it that, is, that people have used seems that. to be very I important. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. The book is Sober for Good, and the author is Anne Fletcher. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. For more Dr. Kenner podcast, go to drkenner.com and please listen to this ad. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance by Dr. Ellen Kenner. A romance killer is the joy killer of living in fear or with chronic anxiety. Say you were profoundly hurt by a failed love relationship and you promised yourself, I'll never let anyone get that close to me again. The pain is too great. You may falsely have concluded that suffering is the essence of life and that all attempts to achieve values and your own happiness are doomed. By withdrawing from life and living in fear of being rejected, you lower the risk of future failure or hurt, yes, but you pay a terrible price. To live without taking reasonable psychological risks like pursuing personal goals and values without learning how to cope well with setbacks puts you in an emotional vacuum. Living means pursuing values. Pursuing values is the essence of life. Take steps, even if only small ones at first, to go after what you want. You can download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.